the Rangers have a potentially very special duo starting at catcher, but who is going to be the primary guy behind the dish for Texas this season? Plus, Ray Davis, Major League Baseball are ready for whatever happens with the Bally sports situation, and one of the Rangers' two participants in the World Baseball Classic is pulling out. We're getting into all that and more on this episode of Locked on Rangers. Let's get into it. You are Locked On Rangers, your daily Texas Rangers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are locked on to the Texas Rangers. I'm Bryce Patrick, a cripplingly addicted Texas Rangers fan since 2010, the founder and host for all four seasons of this Locked On Rangers podcast. Thank you all so much for listening and making Locked On Rangers your first listen every single day. If you're not already, you can follow me on Twitter at Bryce Patrick. You can follow the show at Locked On Rangers. You can like us on Facebook. Subscribe on YouTube, where the best way you can help grow the show is to comment nearly any single thing below. We've got a bit of news to get into today, but the main portion is going to be focused on these two catchers and looking at what I'm expecting from them. But let's go ahead and start with a bit of news. Jose Leclerc is out of the World Baseball Classic. He was going to participate with the Dominican Republic, but he is one of two different Rangers pitchers who had committed, but will not be participating in the World Baseball Classic. The other is Nathan Eovaldi, who is out. He's also missing his next start because of a little bit of left side tightness that he experienced a few days ago. The Rangers are probably going to reevaluate him, I think, today or tomorrow. We'll know a little bit more about that. Martin Perez is still going to pitch for Venezuela. Everything is all good to go with that. Probably get one more start with the Rangers in spring training before he heads out there. Um... But a little bit of news came out yesterday. Uh, I was actually working for the Dallas Morning News on doing the Rangers stuff for them. Yesterday, they published 18 stories, so go go check it out at DallasNews.com, including a big old feature by Evan Grant, who talked to Ray Davis about everything that's going on this season. He has been the Rangers owner for uh, many, many moons during the best and uh, not also not so good portions of the uh, Rangers franchise. believe they bought in in 2010 so you know back-to-back world series trips and uh, it's been less great since then but ray davis is is said one of the important things that i think from this article um, which does have a pretty good headline if i do want to toot my own horns if ray davis is optimistic and anxious about rangers season amidst tumultuous tv situation because it is tumultuous extremely tumultuous major league baseball just made three different hires they hired three executives to come in and possibly be ready for a takeover of 17 broadcasts because that's how big this Bally sports situation is uh, in the feature. Go, I would encourage you to go read Evan's feature to go actually see what all he said. But one of the main takeaways that I had is that basically Ray Davis kind of saw the writing on the wall. He said it wasn't sustainable, this whole situation with the current TV contract. And I kind of felt the same way of like there, there wasn't a whole really great plan for when Bally and diamond sports took over. And so, uh, he was preparing with, you know, other different revenue streams. Like, I think that's part of why they put such an emphasis on the Texas Live and making that such a big thing. There are a few other different teams that have done that, have, have done a kind of, like, entertainment area, like, all around. Uh, I have only seen the one at, well, with the Rangers and also in Atlanta. It's a really, really great little area that's all around there. It's a pretty suburban area where the Braves have their stadium. haven't been to a game there, but I have been around that area. A whole lot of shopping, a whole lot of different little shops, like 
restaurants to walk to. Like it's just a really, really nice area that you'd want to spend a whole lot of time there. There's also a bunch of apartments. You can live literally right there, right by your favorite baseball team stadium, which is pretty cool. They don't really have that in Arlington, but they have some things kind of like that in Boston and uh, around Wrigley Field as well. So it's kind of like, all right, well, if we're not going to make as much money from the TV streams, then we can go kind of get money in other ways, which, you know, is his job as the owner is to worry about that. And so it seems like he did a pretty good job of planning around that. So I didn't realize that it was 17 teams because the uh, AT&T Sportsnet is also kind of under that umbrella. It's all kind of bundled together. And AT&T Sportsnet has uh, the Astros, Rockies, and Pirates broadcasts. So there are 14 Bally regional uh, teams in Major League Baseball. And then there are those other three that I think are also going to be involved as well. But Diamond said as of September 30th, it had $8.674 billion in debt. Eight more than eight and a half billion dollars in debt, and they also debt. Also, they owe uh, one billion in the first quarter of 2023, mostly in the licensing fees to broadcast these games. Um, and AP said that bankruptcy is a possibility, which means that they would, I think, not pay that. And basically, that would kind of give Major League Baseball the right to go in and take over, which they are prepared for, and could do a a really speedy job of ending those blackouts and being able to, you know, buy, buy all the games that you want, every single game that you want, or at least with, uh, in regards to these different teams that broadcast that major league baseball is going to be taking over. And I think that's fantastic. And I, it felt like it was going to be a while before the whole blackout situation was ended. Maybe this will also cascade into other sports. I think it will, but major league baseball with its season, scheduled to start when it is i think everything's going to kind of come to a head with the other you know with major with uh, nba and nhl their seasons are already kind of underway and so i think them being able to like pivot and and adjust to this mid-season is going to be more difficult for them i think it's just things are going to be the way that they are um and major league baseball i think is has been seeing this coming for a little bit longer and have been able to set stuff up this off season and with these hires and like basically holding the department, it seems like like, all right, I'm ready to, we're ready to take over whatever happens with Bally. And I'm, I'm really excited to see the possibilities there. So um, really interesting stuff going on there. Uh, I did want to touch on the two different games that the Rangers played uh, split squad that were both rained out ended in seven innings. We got to see the first outing of Andrew Heaney as a Texas Ranger. He looked uh, pretty solid and did get, lit up just a little bit allowed a pair of home runs which he said didn't really bother him he was just more mad that he was getting behind in counts um through an inning and two thirds allowed three hits two runs both of them were solo shots uh walked a pair which is uncharacteristic of him and had a pair of strikeouts didn't really love that but you know he said he felt good and that's really the entire thing that matters helped to go out to see cole reagan's in a perfect inning of work with a pair of strikeouts there I think that there is a possibility that he could come in. Evan Grant wrote something about him possibly filling in for the Brett Martin role. Maybe he's not being groomed as a starter. I don't know that I I like that idea. I don't know if that's something that they should. I think they should be toying around with. But it's definitely a possibility. I think that it, for him to have his most value, Cole Reagans, that is, he needs to be a starting pitcher. I think he can do it. Um Obviously, his stuff is not really overpowering by any means, but he is a smart kid, a, a smart pitcher, knows how knows his stuff and knows how it works really well. And that value comes, there's a whole lot of it in um, doing that as a starting pitcher. But 
he, he's got a lot of competition on the farm. So maybe, maybe this is the best role for him. I, I want to see what his stuff would look like in kind of shorter outings, how much that velocity would tick up. He's still got a, one of the nastiest changeups, if not the nastiest changeup in the entire system. So I think that that could be really interesting. And Brett Martin, his role as a lefty was a guy who was a lefty, got ground balls and was good against right-handed batters. And a, being a lefty with a very good changeup like Cole Reagans has, I think that might be a role where he finds some success. There was a little bit of things that happened with the catchers in yesterday's games that I want to get into and the catchers in general before but first this episode is brought to you by FanDuel the midway point of the NBA season is here and now is the perfect time to download FanDuel America's number one sportsbook because new customers get a no sweat first bet up to $1,000 that's bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win just download the FanDuel sportsbook app it is safe secure and it is extremely easy to use then you can get, go and bet on everything from the money line to point scores and threes drained as well plus FanDuel even lets you combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with a same game parlay so don't miss the chance to get your no sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to fanduel.com slash locked on that's fanduel.com slash locked on to learn more make every moment more with FanDuel an official sports betting partner of the NBA now there were some things that were notable that happened with Rangers catchers Two of them, actually, in Wednesday's game. We got a home run from Jonah Heim. Lovely moment for it for him. Seeing him just absolutely blast pitch uh, out of the park. And a less fun moment from Sam Huff, who left Wednesday's game uh, where he was catching after the first inning with right shoulder tightness. He will be reevaluated at some point today. I have not seen any updates from the Beats or from the Rangers about that. So I will let you know probably tomorrow uh, what we find out there. But I'm a little concerned with him, and uh, I really like Sam Huff, and I think there is still a major league player in there somewhere. But uh, we'll, we'll get into that. I don't think he's going to factor that much into the Rangers' plans at the major league level for catcher this year because the Rangers have a fantastic catching duo in Mitch Garver and Jonah Heim. And it's going to be, there's a lot of questions about these guys heading into the season. Um, mainly, it's just. Who's going to be catcher number one? Honestly, at this point, I'm not entirely sure. And I think that's a really exciting thing. And if you had asked me before last year, the the answer was obvious. It's like, it's Mitch Garver. And then Jonah Heim is also going to be present. And he's going to be a very nice backup catcher and provide a lot of value there. And it's going to be a lot of fun. And, you know, that's going to be that. And it's just a matter of how healthy is Garver. Well, Garver was not healthy last year, and Jonah Heim was forced to step up. And step up he did in a major, major way. He had a fantastic breakout season, was absolutely electric in the first half of the season with a 781 OPS. I still think that he absolutely should have been an all-star last year. And, uh, well, after the break, it was all, literally all downhill from there. I mean, all, every single one of his, uh, his, uh, triple slash categories just jumped up, dropped off tremendously. His batting average was down uh, 81 points in the second half. His on base was down uh, 34 points and his slugging was down 156 points in the second half. He just did not have it. 12 home runs in that first half in 69 games. The second half, uh, only four in 58 games. So clearly the season 
got to wearing on him. It was the most games that he had caught in a season as a big leaguer, or I think even in the minors as well. Um, he ended up catching 111 games last year, started 102 of those, and 96 of them were complete games so over 900 just over 900 innings the year before he had 641 innings in 2021 when he was splitting time with uh the platinum glove winner jose trevino but i think at this point i am probably leaning towards jonah heim being the primary catcher because you got to keep mitch garver healthy and he wasn't healthy even coming into the season last year this year he's in a different place he is healthy heading into the season he does not have a uh, an injury heading in that is going to make him stop catching on May 8th um at least that we know of at this point I think I think we're safe on that vein but I mean Mitch Garver's bat I really think that it is it is really underrated and people kind of forget how incredibly good he is when he is healthy. Like I've talked about a million times, his 2019 season was just absolutely electric when he won the silver slugger at catcher and his career high for his OPS of 995 in a single season is way higher than any other Ranger in this lineup. I mean, that includes uh, Marcus Simeon, who had a 892 OPS in 2019, um, and Corey Seager, who in 2020, a shortened season where he played most of it, but he had a 943 OPS. Mitch Garver's was more than 50 points higher than Corey Seager's best season. Like, he is incredibly good when healthy. And if the Rangers are DHing him a lot more, which I think is probably what's going to end up happening, then I, I think that that is going to leave more time for Jonah Heim. But you're also going to want to be able to keep Jonah Heim off his feet from as much as he was last year, that he just was so worn down by the end of the season. I think just giving him every... I don't know if there's going to be a 50-50 split. What It depends a lot on Mitch Garver's health. And I'm curious if they're going to have more personal catchers of like, all right, this starter is going to have this guy versus this guy's going to have this guy. I would think that Jacob deGrom is probably going to get mostly caught by Jonah Heim because you want your best framer with your best pitcher. And I think that is going to make a big difference. I think Martin Perez is probably going to throw a lot to Jonah Heim. They had a pretty special rapport last year. I mean, Martin Perez had the best season of his career, throwing a lot to Jonah Heim, not exclusively, but I think primarily to Jonah Heim because he was catching most of the games in general. So I think that's kind of where I'm landing on this. If Mitch Garver is the guy who is the primary catcher next season, then I'm not going to be mad by any means. Um, and in terms of who's going to be the third catcher, because usually there's there's some third catcher that is out there um, that usually participates in some capacity. And I think we'll see a little bit of Sam Huff this year. I'm not entirely sure. Maybe we'll see some of Sandy Leone. He is projected for 13 plate appearances at catcher by fan graphs this year. But um, and Sam Huff is projected for 45. So it they are really confident that it's going to be a lot of Mitch Garver and uh Jonah Heim and I'm kind of in that same boat I mean with how good these guys were I mean Jonah Heim last year even with the second half complete offensive fall-off he was one of the best defensive catchers in all of Major League Baseball last year one of the best framers only Jose Trevino was better than him 
But he was a top 10 catcher according to Fangraphs War. He was at 10th at 2.8 Fangraphs War. He was ahead of Danny Jansen of Toronto, ahead of Will- William Contreras of Atlanta, and just behind Wilson Contreras of the Chicago Cubs. So he was incredibly good last year. And you add in Jonah Heim, or add in Mitch Garver in there, and that is a potentially scary one-two catcher duo. I mean, one of the best in baseball. Probably not going to be the best in baseball because there are a few teams that have some really, really outstanding catcher duos. I mean, mainly just two that I'm thinking of at the moment. Atlanta has Sean Murphy, and they also have, well, they don't have William Contreras anymore, but they also have um, Travis Darno. So uh, that's that's a pretty good combination. Wilson Contreras and whoever is his backup in in St. Louis, I don't know if they're going to be better because I don't, can't think of who their backup is, but uh, Toronto was, was the other one that I was thinking of because Alejandro Kirk is fantastic, had a 3.8 war season last year, and then his backup, Danny Jansen, had a 2.6 war last year, a backup catcher, 72 games and 2.6 war. That is really, really impressive. They, there was a third guy who was a prospect. I can't think of his name right now. He was traded for uh, Dalton Varsho, who also can catch but I don't think he's going to very much in Toronto. So I, I think that Atlanta and Toronto both like one, two, they're probably pretty comfortably ahead of the Rangers, but there is a scenario in which the Rangers duo outperforms those guys. I, I don't think it's necessarily extremely likely, but it's definitely a real possibility that I think should be considered. I mean, these guys are fantastic. I mean, Jonah Heim, if he can be anywhere near like 80% of that first half for a sustained full season and then you can get a just just a healthy Mitch Carver when he's healthy he's incredible but again there have been a lot of concerns there and if he's not asked to be the primary catcher if he's doing a lot of DHing, which I think he should because I'd like to see a whole lot more Mitch Garver at bats DH than Brad Miller no offense to Brad Miller but I'd like to see a lot more Mitch Garver at bats than most of the other candidates that could be in that DH role but and Jonah Heim was really, really up there. He does such a good job of walking and not striking out. Last year, he was in the top, around the top 60%, 59th percentile in strikeout rate, um, and 61st percentile in walk rate, and 69th in whiff rate, which I think is pretty darn nice. He hits the ball very hard. His expected batting average wasn't super great, neither was his expected Woba or slugging, but he barrels, pitches, he has good... Um, good plate discipline the pop time is the thing that i am a little concerned with him about i mean defensively he knows how to call a game he knows how to build that rapport with pitchers and make them feel comfortable he can frame pitches with the best of them he was in the 98th percentile of framing i think he probably was a little bit better than that i really do think that he is one of if not the best framers in baseball but i'm going to go ahead and defer towards um, what baseball savant has because their numbers are probably a little bit better than my eye test. It's probably just my own little personal bias, but Jonah Heim is incredible at it, and it's a very, very valuable skill. And Mitch Garver is also really good at framing. He was in the top half of baseball in that 2019 season, but he's had other seasons where he was much higher. Looking at some of his advanced numbers from that 2019 season, I mean, the red is off the charts on baseball savant. I mean, the walk rate was in the top 20% of baseball. His chase rate was in the top 2% of baseball. That's a thing that I don't, I don't really think that Rangers fans appreciate because we haven't seen it because he was striking out quite a bit last season and not walking, and I think he was pushing quite a bit last year. But when he is healthy and things are right, I mean, hard hit percentage, ex-WOBA, 
barrel rate, expected slugging, all those in the top 10% of baseball that year, um, which is just absolutely incredible. But his pop time is also something that I'm a little bit worried about, especially with these rule changes. I think that is one of the, my main concerns with this catching duo is that they don't have the strongest arms. They don't have the best times from home to second. I think the Rangers could be taken advantage of on the base pass like they were last year. That was a big problem for the Texas Rangers last year is getting not being able to get guys out while stealing. I mean, a lot of these guys, Jacob deGrom does a really good job of holding runners and being quick to the plate. Um, some of the other guys, Martin Perez is, is pretty fine at it. He's a lefty and he's got a good step. Um, I think Ivaldi is pretty good at it. John Gray is fine. And I don't have really seen enough from Andrew Heaney to figure out if he's going to be super great at it. His delivery isn't super long and he's lefty, so it should help. But I think there's going to be a lot of stolen bases this year because of the bigger bases and the rules about pickoffs and stuff like that. So that could be a potential big weakness for this team. Uh, Sam Huff does have a really, really big arm. He is a very, very big dude. The biggest catch that the Rangers have, um, even though Mitch Garver is 6'1 and 220, um, Sam Huff is just an absolute massive human. I believe that Jonah Heim is also a bigger boy. Yeah, 6'4", but uh, Huff is, Heim is 6'4", Huff is 6'5", I think a little bit more than the 220 that Jonah Heim is listed at. So I think that could be somewhere where Sam Huff has a bit of an edge. All three of those guys have just absolute light tower power. Heim doesn't tap into it nearly as much in games as you would like to see. Obviously, Garver does quite a bit when he's healthy. I mean, Mitch Garver, that whole month of May when he was at his best with the Rangers, had 13 games, 55 plate appearances, four bombs, six doubles. It was right when he had started... um, Actually, May 8th was when he stopped catching. So then he was on the IL for a little bit and came back and was DHing and had that just fantastic streak of just lighting opposing pitchers up. That was against Houston and Anaheim, um, where he hit 300 that month, had an on base of 340, slugged 660, a 1006 OPS. The other months were not nearly as good, and we did not see very much of them, and we didn't see any of them after the All Star break. And that was a ginormous bummer. Wasn't that big of a swing of a trade. Isaiah Kinderfluff, it didn't really have anywhere else to go. Ronnie Enriquez is a solid prospect, but I mean, you would give that up for a catcher with Mitch Garver's potential any day of the week. Any day of the week, you would absolutely do that. But it was it was a huge loss for the Rangers not having him in the second half of last year. And I think that is a big reason why they fell off. I mean, there were just a lot of factors, but I think that that was a contributing factor as well. And something that Bruce Bochy talked about a few days ago was talking about how good the top four in his lineup are. And Mitch Garver was not one of those four. Adolis Garcia was the other one of the four, the other three being uh, the other three veteran infielders, not the rookie Josh Young. But I think that Mitch Garver, like, he has as high an offensive ceiling as anybody in this lineup. And I think that it is being slept on because of the injuries. And people are, you know, obviously uh, very skeptical of being optimistic about this guy because the health concerns have been so great for so much of his career. In 2021, he only played 68 games. He only played 23 games in 2020. Hell, he's only got one game, one season of 100-plus games played, not just 100 100- plus games caught just a hundred plus games played that was 102 games in 2018 as a 27 year old he is going to be 32 this year so he is getting up there a little bit and he's a catcher so he's obviously got quite a few miles on his body but I mean the potential is just absolutely scary and it is 
so incredibly important that he be healthy for the Rangers. I mean, I think that that is what is going to determine this team if they're going to be like an 80-win team or a 90-win team. I mean, it's not all on the health of Garver, and it's not all on Jonah Heim repeating the first half of last year and sustaining it, but I think a lot of it is because the other guys in this lineup, there's not a whole lot of variability. I think I think we all know pretty much what almost every other spot in this lineup is going to be like, except for Josh Young. I think that could be a huge X factor as well because I'm not even sure as someone who has watched a lot of Josh Young, not sure what he's going to provide, but I think there's a lot of level of variance in these two catchers that could be um, really, really special. And I'm, I'm so over the moon that, that the Rangers have these two guys because it's been such a long time since the Rangers had a really solid one, two punch at catcher or just even like one really good catcher. And Joe Heim last year was that really good catcher. There have been a lot of years of just mediocrity and just straight up unfun catching to watch. Like it's 2021 is as cool as it was to see these, those two young guys, you know, get some time there. We've seen a lot of Jeff Mathis's over the years. Well, just a lot of Jeff Mathis in general, which wasn't very fun. Um, we've also seen quite a little bit of um, Tim Fedorovich, and you know, it's just been a long time since the Rangers have had that. I think if if these two play like I think they're going to play, they could have the highest baseball reference war season combined from two Rangers catchers since 2011, when Mike Napoli and Yorvit Torrealba combined for 5.4 baseball reference war i'll let you guess how much of that was mike napoli it was 5.5 baseball reference war from nap and negative uh 0.1 from your v but i mean the rangers haven't had going back to how good heim was last year the rangers have not had a catcher with a 2.5 baseball reference war season since 2016 and that was old robinson chirinos i mean talk about a, a weird a weird confusing catcher it, it not well Torino's a little bit, um, but also his uh, his partner that year in 2016 of Jonathan Lucroy, a guy who had a a six-war season and two seasons later was traded to the Rangers, was an all-star that year, and then just fell off a freaking cliff. That is one of the most mind-boggling uh, things that have happened to the Rangers in that t- kind of 2015 to 2016, 17 era that kind of ended that run that still boggles my mind. Right up there with, um, you know, Prince Fielder having a career-ending injury that nobody saw coming and everything that happened to Jerks and Profar and no more Bizarre falling off a cliff. Like, that is still up there in terms of just, like, wow, what a weird way for that run to end. Um, but anyway, Haim was incredibly good last year. If he just repeats what he did last year, that is fantastic for the Rangers. And Garver, I've kind of always thought of him for the last couple of years, even when the Rangers got him, of, like, all right, this is, this is the icing on the cake. Like, you can have cake without icing, but it kind of sucks. Like it's what's the point? Like, what are you even doing? You're kind of depriving yourself of the joy and it just takes it to that next level. Like, it's not essential. Like cake is not an essential thing. Having a fantastic catcher is not essential. It's nice. It's a very nice luxury to have it, especially getting offensive production from a catcher is a really, really nice thing to have. And it is a huge bonus. It is not a necessity. The Rangers didn't really have that in 2010. They had they had a little bit of it in their 2015 and 16 runs. It was more just defensive value there. But, you know, it is a huge, huge luxury to have that makes all the difference in the world. If one of your top four hitters is a catcher, that just lets you have all the more fun with with 
your lineup later on down and makes it just that much deeper as opposed to usually you have one or two guys that are just like, all right, they are just here to be really good at defense, and usually that's the catcher. And if you can get something out of those guys who sometimes happen to be also really good at playing defense like Jonah Heim, then that is absolutely huge. But I want to look at my projections for these guys. I also, first look at fan graphs and um, agree or disagree with what they're doing. Right now, they project Jonah Heim for over 400 plate appearances, a 238 average on base of 301, slugging 406. That is a 707 OPS. I think it's going to be a little bit better than that. But they also have a 3.4 fan graphs war, which is 0.6 higher. Yes, 0.6 higher than what he did last year. That'd be pretty solid. For Garver, they have him hitting 231 and on base of 319 and slugging 430, a 1.1 war, uh, according, or just as a catcher. Overall, they have him, uh, hold on, let me go see what they actually had him overall, because that was just what they think he's going to do as a catcher. Right now, they have him at 1.6 war season projected for him. Next year, that would be 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8 among Rangers position players behind that of Leody Tavares, Josh Young, Adoles Garcia, Lowe, Haim, Seager, and Simeon, which I think he will be behind some of those guys, but I think that that's just really, really low on Garver. They have him for 403 plate appearances, and if he's getting 403 plate appearances, then that means he's fairly healthy, and they have him just being bad and healthy. I don't think that's a likely scenario. He could be hurt, and he could just miss a lot of the season. He could play like 10 games, and then it's like, oh, well, that was fun for the Rangers to trade for him and then get, you know, Jack Diddley mostly out of him. But I think if he's healthy, that he is going to be producing because that is what he has done in his career. And I think that that is just uh, not the most flattering projection for him. They have a few projections that I don't really love. I think they're a little low on what Nathaniel is going to do next year. They're definitely really low on Adoles Garcia. They're obviously way too low on what Martin Perez is going to do. So my guesses next year, my projections for these guys... I think Haim is going to be the primary catcher, and I think that is going to be a good thing for the Rangers and really will deepen their lineup. I think Haim will catch something like 95 games, um, hoping for a 238, 308, 442 slash line. That's a 750 OPS, which would be really, really good for a catcher, especially one with the defensive value that Haim provides. Somewhere in the 3.8 range for war and 20 home runs, which would be a career high. He hit 16 this year. And if he didn't completely fall off a cliff in the back half of last year, he might have hit 20 um, in 2022. But I think he can hit that 20 homer plateau somewhere in that, like, if he gets close to four, if he pushes four war for a catcher, that is just huge and would be an incredible win in that Elvis Andrews trade to Oakland. Um, But I... I'm expecting big things from Jonah Heim this year. I think Jonah Heim is expecting big things from himself, and he is also really excited. Um, For Mitch Garver, I think he catches 55 games, but I think he'll play somewhere um, around 108 games. That is me being very optimistic and a lot of DHing and a lot less wear and tear on his body. Um, Hopefully just minimal injuries. A slash line of something like 260, 350, slugging 525. That would be an 875 OPS, which is not his career high, which is, you know, 220-ish points lower, 215 points lower than his career high. And I'm thinking he's he'll have something like a 3.5 war because it won't be that much because it's going to be a lot of DHing and a lot of offensive value. Um, and I think he sets a new career high with 32 home runs, one more than he had in 2019. I think that he might win the uh, Silver Slugger for AL catchers again, but... I, he could absolutely uh, be overtaken by old Adley Rutschman. He is probably going to have a fantastic season. It's going to be difficult to catch him, but I think the power potential um, 
that Mitch Garver has is is going to outweigh Adley Rutschman's offensive uh, firepower, but Rutschman is probably going to be one of – he might even be the best catcher in baseball next year. I mean, last year he was second in Fangraph's ward of JT Real Muto. He, he might be first next year if he starts the season in the big leagues from day one, which he didn't do last year, which I mean, he's going to do because he's Adley Rutschman. But this is – all that to say, this is a really special tandem of catchers for the Rangers. A lot of potential here, a lot to get excited about. There are some red flags and some concerns there as well, but this is as good a catching duo as the Rangers have had since they last made the playoffs. So at the very least, we are not seeing Jeff Mathis' production, and for now... I will absolutely take that. But thank you all so much for making Lockdown Rangers your first listen every day. We'll be back tomorrow um, and then back on Monday because we are back to five days a week. We've only got uh, four-ish more weeks until the regular season starts. But thank you all for making Lockdown Rangers your first listen. Now for your second listen, go check out Locked On Fantasy Baseball. Win your league by listening to Matt and Dom every day as they bring you the best fantasy draft strategies. Find Locked On Baseball wherever you fantasy baseball, wherever you get your fantasy your uh, podcasts and on YouTube as well. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you all so much for listening. And until next time, don't forget to enjoy baseball.